to Live Prayer. I am Bill Keller. Good to be with you on this Thursday evening. I pray you've had a wonderful day. It's so good to be back together with you after a quick 23-hour break. If you're new to the program, you're watching Live Prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight Eastern Daylight Time. And wherever you may be watching me tonight, all throughout this great land of ours, from sea to shining sea, from border to border, thank you for tuning in. Friends and other far-off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I am Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website, reaching about a two and a half million folks, a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online, web address coming up on your screen, LivePrayer.com, LivePrayer.com. And when you go there, don't be surprised, there's no advertisements, nothing for you to buy, just 24 years of great ministry content, all produced here at Live Prayer, all to be a blessing to you and a very easy-to-navigate website. Check it out, liveprayer.com. So I pray you had a good day today as we're working our way through another week. Lots of interesting things going on tonight. Uh, I know we're a little late, but I promised you earlier in the week I'm going to get to a little bit of Halloween news. If nothing else, uh, you'll be ready for it next year. <laughs> but uh, no, I do want to go through some of the history of Halloween and uh, go through a few other things. And we've got a little time tonight. Plus, tonight, uh, I've got a couple things I want to hit real quick. But then I want to talk to you about the reason that you've got a major war going on in Israel right now. Wait until you hear the reason. It's going to make you really sad. And, and, and listen, they've been going at it for 5,000 years in Israel, okay? So this is truly nothing new. But there was a genesis to this one. And uh, I want to walk you through it. And again, it's going to be sad when you hear it. But uh, we're going to get into that near the top of the program. So uh, stick around. Get ready for a nice program tonight. Uh, we're ready to go. Four things I ask you to do for me each night of the program. First, pray for me and the program. means more than you know, and I appreciate it more than you know. Second of all, please tell your friends, family, people at church to sign up for the free daily devotional, Live Prayer. Written it every morning for over 24 years now. It's about a three, four minute read every morning. Great way to stay plugged into the Lord. Free like everything. All they have to do is go to our homepage, upper right hand corner, click on the sign up link and uh, that will get them going. Third, this TV program. Keep telling people about the program. Uh, the word of mouth, which has been our only form of advertising since we moved from uh, regular television, what they call legacy television, to streaming only. Uh, that was back on Thanksgiving evening of 2018. So uh, in a few weeks, it'll be five years since we left regular TV 
and we've been strictly streaming. Uh, so please encourage people to watch the program. Last of all, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, as I mentioned, when you go to my website, there's no advertising, there's nothing to buy, no trips to take, no cruises, nothing like that. We're a ministry, not a marketing company, not a tour guide service, and we minister each day by faith. Have for 30 years, over 24 years online, coming up on 21 years next March on TV, and we've done it by faith. We've just ministered, trusted God, shared our needs with our friends, encouraged them to pray about giving, and we've been here for all these years, first of all, because the people who follow this ministry know the fruit it bears. You don't spend this many years online, on TV, uh, doing what we do. Now listen, I get, I, I, the ministry, a lot of the ministries on Christian TV, it's a big hustle. I got it. And then that's fine. That's their, you know, that's what they do. But they're there, you know, because it's a money-making machine. We've never been on Christian TV, never will go on Christian TV. We're out in the middle of the marketplace. Um, and, you know, if, 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 you, if you're a tire store, you want to go to places where people need tires. That makes sense. That's good business sense. I understand why ministries preach to the choir because that's where the believers are and they understand giving and, you know, you can bribe them with love gifts and, you know, you can play with scriptures and get them all riled up. And Listen, 30 years of ministry, I've seen it all. We, like Paul, have gone into the marketplace to bring God's truth and the hope of Christ to the lost and hurting masses. Uh, most of those people aren't going to give us a dime Never expect them to, not asking them to. Uh, but for those believers that support this ministry, uh, I appreciate it more than you know. Our homepage, again, there's a donation link. Click on it, gives you our address in St. Petersburg if you want to drop a check in the mail. Also, a link to our credit card portal if that would be more convenient for you. And again, we've only been here all these years because of the faithfulness, the prayers, and the faithful giving of our friends in the life of our family. And I appreciate it more than you know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Another wonderful night, a unique night, a night like we've never had before. We will never have again. Lord, speak to people's hearts tonight. Open people's minds to hear and understand the things going on in this world around us. I pray for my friends tonight. I stand in the gap and intercede for them, their families and their needs tonight. Thank you for this day that you've given to us, blessings that you've bestowed upon us. And now, Lord, we commit this hour to you. Use it for your glory. Be glorified in all that's said and done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. Let me start tonight and get Ron DeSantis out of the way. <laughs> um I got to be honest with you, These, this last year has been very disappointing. I've been living in Florida. I moved the ministry from Chicago to Florida, um, actually 30 years ago this December. And, um, you know, have enjoyed it here, have had a lot of good governors. Got to be honest with you, Jeb Bush was a good governor. Rick Scott was a good governor. Uh, Chris was a Republican when he was a governor here. He wasn't bad. 
DeSantis was a good governor his first term. And he had the support of the people going into his reelection. Then we find out that even though he was running for reelection for governor in 22, we find out in 21, he was already plotting and scheming. With He'd been approached by these Republican billionaires that wanted to make sure Donald Trump was never president again because he upset their business. These are globalists. They like the Chinese money. They, they like the open borders. And they were looking for a, a person to back. Let me just put it in those nice terms. And DeSantis was more than willing. So the fact is, he knew when he ran for re-election in 22 that he was going to run for president before his term was out. And Florida had a law that if you are holding a state office and you want to run for some national office, you have to resign. Well, Ron had those skids grease too. He changed the law so he could keep being governor and run for Florida. Problem is, for the last year and a half or so, he hasn't been around. We've got insurance problems in Florida. We've got a lot of problems. And as people found out the truth that he he was planning a year in advance before he even ran for re-election, he was already planning this, turn people off, I'm telling you. His, his popularity in Florida is down in the dumps. And then he raised, obviously people gave him money to, for his re-election. He banked about $80 million that he didn't have to use because, again, he ran against Charlie Crist to... When he was a Republican, he wasn't bad. Then he became an independent. Then he became a Democrat. Then he became an Charlie Crist doesn't know what day it is, okay? Uh, of course DeSantis beat him easily. It's like he was running against nobody. And in the process, he banked $80 million from people who gave him that money to run for re-election. He banked it and used some legal tricks and was able to use it to run for president. So people are very upset. The fact that he's never here anymore... The state does have some real legitimate problems. Um, and he's just absent. So between the deceit, which is what it was, and everything else. So having said that, uh, recently Larry Elder, uh, the radio host from California, he, he dropped out, uh, which no big shock. They're, they're all going to drop out, in the, in, by the way. But he dropped out. He's back in uh, uh, Trump. Uh, there was another guy that ran, I can't remember his name. He's back in Trump. Um, Mike Pence dropped out. I doubt he's back in Trump. Um, and again, people never stop. Remember this. People never stop running for president. They just run out of money. Okay? And that's where these people are. By the way, let me just say this. There's been a lot of stuff on the internet about DeSantis' vanity because I guess he's 5'11". 5'11 isn't that short, but apparently he's very paranoid about it. I guess Dave's got proof he wears these boots and different shoes with lifts in them to make him look bigger. I mean, I mean, it's it, it's silly, but it's kind of that's what it's become. And he's apparently very, uh, you know, it, it's a it it, it it it's a bothers him a lot. I mean, he's very paranoid over this for whatever reason. Again, if he is 5'11", I don't care if he's 5'8 or 5'11", who cares? But anyway, so there you got that one. But here's when you know people are desperate. When you start talking like a Democrat, you're done. 
you're desperate. When you're going on MSNBC and CNN just to bang on Donald Trump, you're done. If you know Chris Christie, now Fox puts him on because they know every time they put him on, he'll say something mean about Trump. Chris Christie's at 2 or 3%. He's got no more chance of being president than my cat does, okay? He, he will go back when he finally runs out of money and wakes up. He'll go back to ABC or some of the corporate media, and he'll just be a Trump hater like he's been ever since 2020, okay? Um, but you had DeSantis. This is, how, this is how sad it's gotten for DeSantis, okay? He was on MSNBC this morning, a Morning Joe. Basically say, well, if they, if they convict Trump of everything, he's disqualified and he can't run. Rather than defending the fact that they're coming after him with every ounce of lawfare and bogus nonsense, he's got the entire government coming down and trying to, trying to put him out of, out of the race, okay? And the fact is, if DeSantis hypothetically ever would be the nominee, does he think they aren't going to come after him? He couldn't last, he couldn't stand up under this pressure for five seconds, all right? Five seconds. And when I saw him on there, basically, in essence, hoping Trump gets knocked out by all this lawfare, I mean, that's the last act of a desperate, pathetic man. You know, he, he took his shot. He was very deceptive about it. He bought into the hype that these billionaires who basically used him as a tool to try to take Trump out failed miserably. And in the process, DeSantis has destroyed any political career he hoped to have. He's done after this, promise you. Just like Pence is done. So it's, it's sad, but, you know, when you're on MSNBC talking like a Democrat, you know, you're done. By the way, people like DeSantis and Christie and Neocon Nikki and Tim Scott, let me just be blunt with you. I mean, you know, the, the, the one thing about this program, I only get 60 minutes, five nights a week. I don't do commercials. I don't do guests. I give you 300 minutes a week of hardcore information, okay, all wrapped in a biblical worldview at the end of the day, right? I don't have time to mess around. These people still in the race for Republican. They're not stupid. They know Trump is up by 30 points, 40 points, 50 points. Why are they still there? People, why, are they, why are they bothering? I'll tell you why they're bothering. They're hoping that these people that are trying to take him out with the lawfare, which is a combination, just so you know, of Democrats and Republicans that hate him, okay? They're involved in this stuff too. Um, they're just hoping they can take him out and he won't be able to run for whatever reason. And I hate to be so bold, bold and blunt. I don't think there'd be any tears shed if he did get assassinated. Dead serious. Horrible thing to say, but that's where these people are. There's no other reason they would be running now wasting $5. They have no chance of catching him. And the only way they could catch him is if they could get supporters of Trump to move to their camp. That's not happening. It's not happening. If it was going to happen, it would have happened. So they're just hoping something happens to him. What a pathetic way to live your life. Hoping and praying every day that something happens to whoever you're competing with. That's, 
That's terrible. All right, now I want to I want to go through some of the war stuff, but I want to I want to do it this way. Um, I want to do it by starting to tell you why we're at war right now. Why why this moment? Why this moment? All right, let me let me lay this foundation for you so you understand this. And this is disgusting. But when I get through telling you this, you won't be shocked because this person hates the country. The downfall of this country began with his election in 2008. And yes, I'm speaking about Barry Sotero, a.k.a. Barack Hussein Obama. Okay? What's happening right now in the Middle East is in large part due to manipulation by Barack Hussein Obama. If you remember when he was elected president, his very first foreign trip was where? University in Egypt. And that's where the term apologizing for America began. We've never had a president go on foreign soil and diss his own country. But that's exactly what Obama did in that speech in, in Egypt. He apologized for this country being a colonizer, this country uh, being a dominant force in the world and, and, and squashing the smaller countries. I mean, it was, it was one of the most pathetic. When I heard him give that speech, I knew then that this is a man that does not love this country, actually loathes and despises it. And that's a fact. And if that wasn't apparent during his eight years in office, it's certainly been apparent in the two and a half plus years he's been running the country through his avatar, Joe Biden. Okay? He gave that speech in Egypt, and that's where the term apologize for America came from. He was, he was ashamed for our country's history. The greatest country that ever existed in 6,000 years of human existence, the most generous country that's ever existed in 6,000 years of human existence, the country that has modernized the world more than any other in 6,000 years of human history. Now, contrast that to Donald Trump. Do you remember where his first foreign trip was? Let me refresh your memory. Saudi Arabia. We've had a long relationship with for many reasons. Oil, stabilizing the Middle East, a whole, a whole host of uh, issues that we have partnered with Saudi Arabia on. If you remember when Trump went to Saudi Arabia, they, they treated him like royalty. They honored him with the, uh, this, this, this sword dance. Looked a little weird to people. Was a little strange. They had that big, round, lit-up orb, if you remember that. Everybody put their hand. Again, it... It kind of looks stupid to people in the West, 
but it has a lot of uh, symbolism and meaning to people in Saudi Arabia and everything they did on his trip, it was to honor him. Now, Trump, uh, Obama is a Shia Muslim. You got the Shia and the Sunni. They're both Muslims. They're, they're just different, you know, parts of Islam, different factions. It's almost, it, it, this is probably not, not, not a perfect analogy, but it at least helps you understand. It's like the Protestants and the Catholics. They're both Christians, okay? But the Protestants, you know, and the Catholics have some different ways of, of, of professing their Christianity, okay? Islam's broken down into Shia and Sunni, okay? Saudi Arabia's predominantly Sunni. Obama's Shia. That's why he loves Iran so much. And if you remember, when he got into office, he was doing everything in his power to lift up Iran. To the detriment of Saudi Arabia, by the way. And to the detriment of Israel. He wanted Iran to be the dominant force in the Middle East. Okay? We've always wanted Saudi Arabia to be the dominant Muslim force in the Middle East and and at the same time protect our ally, the only democracy in the Middle East, Israel. All right? So Obama spent eight years trying to put Iran basically at the top of the heap, the most dominant power and force in the Middle East. That's why he got into that idiotic a nuclear deal. Okay? It made no sense. It made no military sense. It made no strategic sense. Certainly made no sense as far as Israel is concerned. Because at the end of the day, Iran was going to cheat, do whatever they wanted to. Why would we even get involved in this situation? I mean, and this deal was so bad, he couldn't even get the Democrats to, to sign on. He basically signed it, signed it like a cocktail napkin. Because that's all it was worth, a cocktail napkin. It gave no strength to uh, nuclear inspectors to go in there because they said, well, you can inspect, but you can't go here, here, and here. Well, if you can't go here, here, and here, what do you think they're going to be doing their dirty work? Here, here, and here. So this was the eight years of Obama. Trump, when he, now, now here, here's, here's what you've got to understand. So I lay this foundation. Trump comes into office, is received as royalty in Saudi Arabia, and in the process, he puts hardcore sanctions on Iran to, to squeeze their ability to make money because, again, Iran didn't use their money for their people. They used it for terror throughout the region. Funding Hamas, funding Hezbollah, the Houthis in Yemen, and all other kind of uh, terror organizations on top of their own uh, Iranian guard. Trump was bleeding them financially, supporting Israel in a way no president ever has in history, moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, uh, uh, giving them total control of the Golan Heights, which is their land anyway. 
again, supporting Saudi Arabia. And then in the last year of his administration, he did something that hasn't happened in over 45 years in the Middle East, peace accords between Arab countries and Israel, the Abraham Accords. Basically what he did, he went in there and just totally wiped out all that Obama did to lift Iran up, put Iran where they belong, under the thumb, gave power to Saudi Arabia, got peace in the region, and I can tell you right now that Barack Hussein Obama was losing his mind. It was personal. Trump basically went in and destroyed all of his eight years of work to uh, lift up Iran, put Iran where they belong, under our thumb, gave Saudi Arabia a lot of power, as well as Israel. So when Obama became the person that was running this country after they cheated and put in that avatar Joe Biden, he has been working the last two and a half years to destroy all of that Trump had done, okay? He went in there and destroyed all that Trump had done. He went in there and has been, one of the first things he did was all the Trump sanctions, so billions again started flowing to Iran, so Iran could start causing massive trouble in the region. They've been planning this, this assault on Israel for two years, we find out now. What happened two years ago? Oh, that's right. Biden was in office for about six months when they started playing this. Uh, excuse me, Obama. Okay. I submit to you tonight that everything that's happening right now in Israel and whatever may, whatever's going to continue to happen in Israel and whatever it may explode into has been because of Barack Hussein Obama and his petty jealousy, his visceral hatred of Donald Trump. And I, I, I wish there was a more complicated, more complex uh, reason that I could give you. But that is exactly why you've got people dying over there right now. Now, having said that, once this attack came from Hamas, this was Israel's time to once and for all end Hamas. This isn't going to happen in a few days or a few weeks or even maybe a few months. It might be a year, two years before they can totally clean it out. But whatever it takes, that's what they're going to do. This is the time once and for all they're going to clean Hamas out of, out, out of Gaza and destroy them once and for all. Now, they'll reconstitute somewhere else, but it's not going to be Gaza, I can tell you that. In the meantime, because he's getting so much political heat from the Muslim uh, population here in the United States, the U.S. is now pushing for not a, not, not a ceasefire, but a humanitarian pause. You've got Blinken on the way over there now. Trying to bully Netanyahu. You know, okay, no ceasefire. But how about a pause? 
for humanitarian aid to get in, things like that. This is where Israel has got to just take the bull by the horns and just do what they have to do once and for all. Hey, listen, it was like at the end of World War II. What happened at the end of World War II? The last six to eight months of World War II was the utter annihilation and destruction of Nazi Germany. Okay? The Allies went in and basically turned Germany into a pile of rubble. They wanted to make sure that that monster, Nazi Germany, would not be able to reconstitute itself. Sorry, folks, that's war. Not pretty. Lots of innocent people die. That's war. Now, as this thing goes on, there's going to be pressure building every day from the world community for Israel to, you know, back off, slow down, stop. But they can't. After what happened, they have to they have to finish this job. All right. Um, for well, the thirty years I've been in ministry, twenty four plus online, twenty plus almost twenty one years on TV, I have consistently talked about the fact that people need to understand that. The non-believing world, which is growing day by day because Christians quit evangelizing quite a while ago, okay? Uh, you've got Christian, the Christian population diminishes every year. And I keep trying to help people understand that the non-believing world hates us. And we just had this conversation Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Guess what pops up today? There's a very liberal website that's very popular with Democrats and people of a liberal mindset and and the globalist mindset. It's called Salon.com. They had one of their chief authors today. And here's the title of his very lengthy article. Listen to this. It's almost like an answer to my show the last couple of nights. Listen to, listen to the title of the article. MAGA and Christian nationalism, a bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. That's the headline from, from, from his article. MAGA and Christian nationalism, the, bigger, the biggest threat to America than Hamas could ever be. In other words, Christians, and if you're an America first person, a nationalist, somebody who supports the Trump agenda and policies, you're worse than a terrorist organization. That's how much they hate you, loathe you, despise you, and wish you would just go away. Now, if you go to the Live Prayer Facebook page or the Live Prayer Twitter page, uh, you will if you go on my timeline. I've got the article there. You'll see it. Also, 
if you get the daily devotional, if you don't, I don't know why, but if you get the daily devotional in the Friday daily devotional, uh, there's a, the first section, I think it says uh, special word from Bill Keller or something like that. I've got the link to the article there. You need to read it. You need to take the, I, I, I can't waste pr- precious program time because it'd probably take me 20 minutes to read it. I just can't take that kind of precious time to do it. But I encourage you, I implore you, read the article. You need to read the article so you understand how they view you. How many nights have I sat here and said, if the globalists ever get total control, the first group they're going to target is the Christians. They've already targeted MAGA or nationalists or Trump supporters, however you want to label them. That's already happening. That's what January 6th was about. That's what this new task force that we learned about a few weeks ago, the FBI has. So they're already on on the ball trying to go after their political opponents. But the Christian part of it, and let me just say this, I at least am thankful for one thing. These aren't whispers anymore, okay? These aren't, you know, quiet conversations people are having, you know, out of public view. They're now in your face telling you that if you're a Christian, you are worse than a terror organization that just a few weeks ago went in and slaughtered 1,400 Jews, cutting off the heads of babies, raping women, chopping them up, dragging their dead nude bodies through the street. That's what they think of you and of your faith. You've got to understand that. And this isn't to, you know, make you do anything violent. This isn't to make you uh, uh, angry. This is to educate you because you need to understand what the non-believing, how the non-believing world looks at people of faith. Now, thankfully, we've all we've had a little bit of a uh, 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 of a runway on this the last week with the ascent by God to the speakership of Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. They've already lost their mind because he's a Bible-believing Christian whose worldview is shaped by the Bible. And we've talked really since he became speaker about that. Well, now they've just decided to just take the gloves off, take off the the blinders, and just come right out and say it. MAGA, which is code word for nationalist, America first, someone who likes the Trump policies, MAGA and Christian nationalism is a bigger threat. And Christian nationalism is just Christian. They just throw the nationalism in to make it sound like we're scary people. Is a bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. How about that? How about that? Please go to my Twitter timeline, Facebook timeline, or again, I assume most people get the devotional. Friday's devotional, the very beginning up in the first section, there's a link to this story. 
please take the time to read it just to educate yourself so you fully comprehend how these people view us. Okay? Um, going back to Iran for a second. In the UN, the Human Rights Council, I don't know the exact timing, but every, I think, year or so, a new country becomes the head of the Human Rights Council. You will never guess whose turn it is to be the head of the Human Rights Council in the UN. Uh, that would be Iran, <laughs> who's currently sponsoring terrorist groups all over the Middle East, have started this war in Israel, and yet they're, for the next year I think it is, they're the head of the Human, human Rights Council of the UN. If Donald Trump gets back in office, I pray to God. I know he's. I know we're out of the Paris thing, and we're out of all these good. I know we're done with the WHO. I know all that's done. I pray to God he not only gets us out of the UN, which is is a total garbage organization, but gives them. You know, he's a landlord. As a landlord, I'm sure he's had to evict people before. He needs to give the UN a 60-day eviction notice on that building by the East River in New York City. You got 60 days to vacate. Otherwise, we're going to put all your stuff out in the middle of the street and you're out of here. Tear those buildings down and build, build a park or condos or something. Unbelievable. Um, going back to Johnson. They're still now focused on the fact that he doesn't have any hardly any money. Matter of fact, again, like I told you, out of 435 congressmen, he's the 434th as far as the amount of money he has. And they are just ripping him pillar to post. And it just amazes me the fact that this guy hasn't taken advantage in uh, what, seven years, hasn't used his position to enrich himself and his family like most of them do. Uh, I mean, they're demonizing because he doesn't have a lot of money. Hey, back to the back to God's word. The last day's what? Right will be wrong, wrong will be right. Sin will be uh, goodness, good righteousness, righteousness will be sin. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And again, the media, the corporate media here and around the world, they pretty well locked in now. They are going to be anti-Israel, pro-Hamas from here on in. I don't see anything changing that. They're just going to get worse. Oh, guess who had an op-ed in the USA Today. Now, I don't believe for a second he wrote one word, but that's another story. The op-ed in today's USA Today was none other than, but written by none other, at least the byline is none other than Hunter Biden. Now, I find this very interesting that this comes out the day after they find another $40,000 smoking gun in Joe Biden's bank account, right? This is not an accident. This is damage control. And of course, the media, they refuse to even talk about 
the 40,000 or the 200,000 or any of the other facts that the Republicans had dug up. But listen to this pathetic article, whoever wrote it, okay? Hunter Biden says he is shocked that people are demonizing addiction. In other words, their problem with him isn't the fact that he was having sex with his dying brother's wife. At the same time he was having sex with his dying brother's wife, he was having sex with his dying brother's wife's sister. Uh, It's not due to the fact that we've got a laptop full of his debauchery lifestyle, drugs, hookers from all over the world, human sex trafficking is what it really amounts to. Um, it's not because he was laying in bed naked with M&Ms on his penis laying next to his 13-year-old niece who's in a bathing suit, okay? Now, it wouldn't have anything to do with that. No, people are demonizing addiction. And they're just putting out just tons of disinformation on Joe Biden, his father, who's doing such a great job for the country. I mean, i got to be honest with you, I had to keep my wastebasket close to my desk as I was reading this article because I honestly thought I was just going to throw up at any moment. I mean, one of the most pathetic things I've ever written. Yep, people don't like Hunter Biden because they're demonizing addiction. Give me a break. Let me tell you something. This uh, thing I told you last night about Fauci getting bats from a a zoo in Maryland, taking them to a, a secret lab in Montana, infecting them with the coronavirus, the same coronavirus they were playing with in uh, Wuhan, I am telling you, that is going to explode. God only knows what this monster is up to. And I was thinking about something last night. If they're playing with this stuff in Montana, who's to say that some of the outbreak in this country didn't come from that Montana lab? Unbelievable. And by the way, Listen to this deception. It was during the Obama administration in about, I think, 2015, like right near the end, that Obama's national security people ordered Fauci to stop with this nonsense, this gain-of-function stuff. Even they said, this is a bridge too far. They shut it down in a a North Carolina uh, uh, lab, they shut it down with that eco-health system, uh, Peter Dasek. They shut it down altogether. It was too dangerous, they said. Imagine that. Probably one of the few legitimate good moves they made their whole thing. But listen what happened. As soon as Trump took over and they were changing administrations, Fauci went and had that order overturned by some underling who was like acting in charge while the Trump administration was moving in. So it's like as soon as the administration's changed, he used that change over time to go and 
get that order rescinded. This this human being You know what? In the last few years, there 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 are a couple monsters that are never going to be the monsters they once were. This does not minimize in one iota the horrors and the evil of Dr. Joseph Mengele. But I submit to you tonight, what Mengele did during World War II was nothing on the scale of what Fauci did. You know, Mengele's sick experiments were pretty much... uh, confined to the German people and the Jews that he was experimenting on. This thing of Fauci, this hit every man, woman, and child on the planet. And we always think of the greatest traitor of this country in this country's history as Benedict Arnold. Well, Benedict, you'll know, you don't have to worry about that title anymore. Joe Biden makes Benedict Arnold look like a choir boy. And we don't even know. Probably, I doubt we are even touching the tip of the iceberg on the Biden crime family. Democratic mayors want Biden to send them $5 billion so they can take care of illegals. Oh, by the way, the FBI raided the home of New York City Mayor Adams chief fundraiser this morning. Now, why would the FBI be raiding the home of the Democratic mayor of New York, the biggest city, his chief fundraiser? That's kind of like, you know, uh, Democrat on Democrat type stuff, right? Let me tell you why they did that. They are sending Mayor Adams and all these other uh, big city mayors sending them a message. Quit bellyaching about the illegals. I promise you as I sit here tonight, that's exactly what that was about. Quit bellyaching about the illegals. Mayor Adams has been on his high horse, running his mouth. Fine, you want to keep talking about this, Adams? Here, ding dong on your chief fundraiser's doorbell this morning. Let's raid her place and, you know, let's see what we may be able to get on her and shut you up. That was a message, folks. That's called a message. Um, there's a, oh, there's a meeting late this month in San Francisco of world leaders. I can't remember what kind of conference it is, but anyway, it's a bunch of the top leaders in the world coming to San Francisco. Chairman G's going to be there. And he's agreed to meet with Avatar Joe Biden. Joe Biden, after groveling, can't get his phone calls returned, is finally going to get a face-to-face with Chairman G. Now, why is Chairman G going to waste five seconds with Joe Biden? As I sit here tonight on November 2nd, year of our Lord, 2023, 11.47 p.m. Eastern, daylight time, let me tell you the reason he's going to meet with Joe because he has been just mad as all get out because the Trump tariffs are still on. The Biden administration hasn't been able to 
take them off. They haven't really tried hard because they need the money because they've screwed the economy up so bad. That's something they haven't really bothered, bothered with. But I promise you, when they meet in San Francisco, one of the uh, takeaways is going to be the U.S. lifting the sanctions, the Trump era tariffs, I'm sorry, on China. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's the only reason they're meeting. Watch. I'll remind you when it happens, because it's going to happen. No doubt about it. And in the meantime, Xi is going to be talking about China's commitment to climate change. That's garbage. They're building coal plants every day over in China. They're just playing games with these idiots like the United States and some of these European countries that are pushing this climate deal. They're the greatest polluter in the world. You know, we could do everything in the world on, uh, over here to, you know, achieve all these ridiculous climate change goals. What matter? Unless India and China change, and they're not going to change because they're not going to ruin their economies with, you know, stupid, unrealistic green energy. But they'll play the game. Because they might be able to get us to give them a bunch of money to, you know, get on the right track. Which I'm sure we will. By the way, tonight the House passed a $14 billion aid package to Israel. Here's the problem. It's a standalone. It goes to the Senate. The Senate's already said, we're not going to take this up. Joe Biden says, even if it comes to my desk, I'm not signing that. Unless you have the Ukraine and the border security money, I'm not signing that. So the great standoff's on. The Republicans, now's the time. They got to take their stand. Don't capitulate. And by the way, Ukraine shouldn't get another dime unless they can give us an audit of what we've already given them, which they can't. And the border security money, as I've told you many times, that's not to shut the border down. That's tire more agents to get the illegals in here faster. The Republicans should never pass those bills. And the bill they did pass for Israel, hey, it's up to, it's up to the Senate. The House did their part. And as I told you last night, if you watched the program last night, I told you that the Sam Bankman free jury was going to get the case today. I told you, despite the seeming complexities of it, I said, I will be shocked if the jury deliberates more than four hours. Well, I got to admit, I was wrong. They deliberated four hours and five minutes and came back with a guilty on all seven counts. For reference, Madoff's jury was out for four days. Okay, that's what a slam dunk this was. Four hours. Of course, again, if you watched last night, you heard it here. Um, now, he's got another trial coming up in March for his illegal campaign contributions. Don't forget, he gave Biden $5 million in 2020. And other than Soros, he was the number one uh, funder of the 2022 midterms, $40 million, with, of course, the stolen, the stolen money. This kid's going to, I mean, this kid's technically looking at 100-some years. I think the judge is going to give him that, but I'll be shocked. 
If it's anything less than 20, my guess is at the end of the day, it's going to be somewhere in the 30 range. Um, All right, let me do. Yeah, let, let me let me do this Halloween thing real quick. Get it off my get it off get it off my plate here. Okay. Uh, by the way, as far as I'm concerned, with all the this trans insanity and all these mentally ill people running around, I got to tell you something. Every time I get video of anything from anywhere, anywhere in the country, it's like it's like Halloween every day. I mean, these people. They're, they're not dressing up for Halloween. This is how they dress all the time. I mean, it is. It, it, I mean, between the drag queens and the trans stuff and all this other LGBTQ stuff, I mean, it's like every day is Halloween for these people. Unbelievable. Um, Biden, by the way, was giving out candy, smelling kids' hair again. They got to keep him away from the kids. Oh, it's funny, too, because one of the... Uh, Biggest costumes this year was people dressed up like Biden. There's some funny stuff. They were tripping down, falling down. One kid dressed up like Biden was riding a bike, and every time he rode a few feet, he fell down. <laughs> All right. Let me just give you a quick background real quick and get this, just, just to give you some information. Um, the origin of what we know as Halloween actually began in 5th century B.C., Ireland, as a holiday that marked the end of the summer known as Samhain. The pagan Celts believed on that day the disembodied spirits of all those who died throughout the preceding year would come back in search of living bodies to possess for the next year. It was believed to be their only hope for the afterlife. The, the Celts believed all laws of space and time were suspended during this time, allowing the spirit world to intermingle with the living. Naturally, the still living did not want to be possessed. So on the night of October 31st, villagers would extinguish the fires in their homes to make them cold and undesirable. They would dress up in all manner of ghoulish costumes and parade around the neighborhood, being as destructive as possible to frighten away spirits looking for bodies to possess. The Romans adopted this practice as their own, but in 1st century AD, Samhain was assimilated into the celebration of some other Roman traditions that took place in October, such as their day to honor Panoma, the goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Panoma is the apple, which might explain our origin of our modern tradition, bobbing for apples. The thrust of the practice has also changed over time to become more ritualized. As belief in spirit possession waned, the practice of dressing up like Ghosts and goblins was more ceremonial. The custom of Halloween came to the United States in 1840s by Irish immigrants fleeing the potato family. Since the 8th century, Catholics have celebrated All Saints Days on November 1st to celebrate known and unknown saints. The church is canonized. The night before is known as All Hallows Eve, means saints, holy ones, as in hallowed be thy name. So Halloween means the evening before All Saints Days. Pagan roots, obviously, it's been incorporated a little bit. And of course, the, the, for the Lutheran Church, that is also known as Reformation Day. 
the Luther Reformation. So there's a little history of Halloween. All right. Good time tonight. Good program. Boy, if you've got people that are interested in being educated what's going on in the world, get them on this program. Tonight is a good one. People need to know that what's going on in the... Listen, they've been going at it in the Middle East, in Israel for 5,000 years, okay? But this, what's going on right now, this has the handprints of Barack Hussein Obama all over it because he's mad at Trump. That's why he hates Trump. One of the big reasons. Hey, don't forget, Muslims, at the end of the day, they want the world to be Muslims, and if you're not, you're, a, you're you know, you're to be killed. You know? Kill the infidels. All right, before we get out of here tonight, if you never made a decision for Jesus, want to give you a chance to do that right now. Uh, you know, we all work our way through this thing called life, and we'll stand before God one day at that moment. All that matters is do you have a relationship with Christ because he's the one who died for your sins. If you want to make that confession of faith tonight, have your sins washed away. Never wonder or worry where your eternal soul will be. Pray with me now. Dear Lord, I come to you tonight asking you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Tonight, I surrender my life to you. Now and forevermore, my life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, if you prayed, the Bible says you're saved, not because you said a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. Have a book I'll send you. won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerliveprayer.com. I'll get it out to you. Need prayer for anything? Don't hesitate to email me, bkellerliveprayer.com. Love and care about you so much. Have a great night tonight. A blessed day tomorrow. Lord willing, back here tomorrow night to close out the week at 11 o'clock. God bless. What problems are you dealing with in your life right now? Do you feel like giving up? Time to